The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome into the Varsity Club podcast. It's a Monday. It's not Friday. We uh, decided with Nebraska playing last Friday that we could put a podcast up, and then an hour later, it'd be pretty much obsolete at that point. So we decided to wait on the hope that we might have something positive to talk about. We do not have something positive to talk about. Uh, Derek Peterson with you guys. Joining me as always, the wonderful Greg Smith. Who's probably the happiest basketball fan in the room right now? Your Lakers look like they are pretty good. Turning that corner, big ball of ramp. Are they at a point where you wouldn't try to mess up that court? Oh, we're getting dangerously close, and I'm I'm worried about it. That that could be a whole separate thing. Um, but now it looks like we may need to keep Julius Randle. We'll see. He's on my fantasy team, and I love him this season. Uh, <laughs> also joining me, and is not an. Always joining, but hopefully we can get closer to that. Jacob Padilla. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I would like to point out that I put you on blast last week for being late, and I was late this morning, so yes. full disclosure. Uh, I, I, I did, late. in fact, arrive before you did. So You did. Proud of you. But. Oh, I'm also a happy ba- uh, basketball fan. That was a clutch miss by Devin Booker at the buzzer against the Hawks. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge loss for the Suns in the tank race. Re- really quick, because <laughs> we're going to get off track if I ask you this, but I want a quick answer. Who is the guy that you want them to take? Honestly, I mean, Doncic is the number one guy, and then I think Aiton's number two. But honestly, I, I'll be happy with pretty much anybody in that top six. I think that's that's the nice thing about this draft. Because you know the Suns, no matter what record they finish with, they're not winning the lottery. It's just not going to happen. It, it won't happen. We're not allowed to have nice things. So the Suns are going to draft as low as they possibly can. But I don't think they're going to be able to drop below the, the top four. Okay. So uh, any of those guys up there at top, I, and there are a lot, a lot of those guys I think will be good fits. Do you like Alfred Payton as the point guard? I don't know he yet. He, he does a lot of things. I just don't know how good those things are, and how I. I it's tough to see um, kind of what the ceiling is with him as the point guard, but he's a lot better than what they've had this season. It's kind of interesting seeing a real NBA point guard. Versus the rotation of random dudes and Tyler Eulis. They, they had, had Mike James for a while, and then they didn't. They extended him, and then they cut him. Yeah, because he was all about himself and playing his game and not helping the Suns play good NBA basketball. He, he was so that was, your, he was your swaggy piece. Yeah, he, he showed some flashes. <laughs> I liked him a lot, and then it just. He, he didn't get any better, unfortunately. He's a watered-down version of Russell Westbrook, apparently. Very. Um, man, he's just making me sad. We're not talking about NBA. We're going to talk about basketball. They're sliding out of those playoffs, though. I like hey, it. I'm rooting for they every were, loss you have. They were third uh, two days ago, and then Portland beat them, and they dropped to seventh. So it's just going to be the way that it goes wild, throughout the rest of this West. West Conference playoff race. That's what we call a slide. Yeah, you could be... <laughs> You could be the, you could be the three seed one day, and then you could not play the next day, and three teams could win, and you could drop to eight. Like it's just it'll a, stupid. It'll be a fun, very game. stressful. It'll be really fun. God, if they okay, we're not even gonna talk about that. <laughs> um, 
plenty of time for that. <laughs> They're not going to miss or I will. You guys will have to put me so. on, on Sorry. like protective watch or something like that if they miss the playoffs. Uh, Nebraska basketball played this weekend, played on Friday, and then the women played Friday and Saturday. The men lost their first game out Friday to Michigan in a game that was just really disappointing from the jump. The women beat uh, Michigan on Friday by seven, if I remember correctly, and then lost to Maryland for the third time this season in the semis to drop out. So the women at 21-10 and 10 are maybe in the tournament, in the NCAA tournament. The men at 22-10, and 10, and this is going to drive people nuts, are not in the tournament. <laughs> And we keep seeing tweets from people talking about the resume. Greg, you're shaking your head. <laughs> so we'll start with you. The resume. If you're looking at it, all the people that said the eye test, look at the eye test. Look at the yeah. eye test. Throw out the Q1 wins. Throw out all the data. Throw out all the nerdy stuff. If you just look at the eye test, Nebraska passes based on the last 13 games that they played. But if that's what we're going to use, they did not look good at all on Friday. And that's the that's part of it. And I have such a hard time separating. So we talk about the eye test in those last 13 games, and that is true. But then you also then have to say the eye test when they play good teams. Like we yes. also we have to take that in as well, which then goes into the whole quadrant one win thing and all of that, the tier one and all that stuff, um, which I get is frustrating for fans and some you know reporters. But it's just the whole the cold reality of the situation, which is Nebraska just doesn't have the resume that you normally see comes with a 22 win team like that's just the fact of it it's tough because you don't ever see this and I don't know that we have ever seen anything like this before um but they're just not going to make it based on that resume they're not they did not beat quality enough teams at all close and I wrote about this they they are very much a were screwed by a bloated conference that doesn't play like, if they were in the Big 12 playing a double round robin, yes. they'd be much better off. But because of the schedule that the Big 10 has, they only played the top three guys once. Yeah. They played four of the five worst teams in the conference by RPI twice each. Yep. And they lost to one of them. They lost to Illinois. And yes. a bad, really bad timing as well. And the thing about that, too, is like, so the fact that you've got the one good win against Michigan, which looks even better now. But then you have that loss to Illinois, so that's one on each side. So they kind of cancel each other out. Like um, it, it's hard to really like bang the table for hey, look at this good win because you have the Illinois too. I mean, anything in, at college basketball, anything could happen in any given game. Yep. That's why you need a body of work. One good win isn't enough, especially when you have one bad loss to kind of balance things out. Here's my question for you: the only good win. I guess my question is, does this come into play with the committee? The only good win that they have is Michigan at home. When you watch them play, they're clearly a different team at home than they are on the road. If you look at the way they played Michigan the first time when they won at home, and then you look at the way that they played this last time out of a neutral site game with a bunch of time to prepare and a bunch of time to rest and get ready. But he wants to talk about the they weren't in a rhythm. The teams that played the day before were maybe in a rhythm. And, yeah. and I get that. That makes sense. But at the same time, the committee wants to see teams that can go away from home and win, that can win in, in neutral site games, and that can win in tough environments. And Nebraska didn't do that. Does it play a role in the decision of the committee that their best win is at home? And when they leave home, they're a different team. I, I think it will, and that's unf- and even if you go, 
if uh, you try to kind of look back at that Minnesota game as uh, a quality win because they were ranked 14th at the time, um, that was in Lincoln as well. And a uh, bit of breaking football news, uh, Ethan Piper, um, the Norfolk Catholic lineman, um, has committed to Nebraska. I think uh, that was kind of expected. He uh, got an early offer from Iowa but um, and took a visit to their junior day this weekend because he had previously scheduled it before um, getting the offer from Nebraska. But I, I think once he got that offer, pretty much anybody who has talked to him or anybody around him knew that this was going to be the outcome here. So that's good for Nebraska. Just another... Uh, 2019 pickup in what is looking like a really stacked uh, year for the Huskers. Anyway, back to basketball. So yeah, even if you do give them credit, and Bruce Rassman has said they'll look at that with that kind of eye. I personally, I, I was really disappointed in Minnesota this year even before um, Reggie Lynch got suspended and uh, Amir Coffey got hurt. So I I don't know how much. I, I just think they were, they were not a top 15 team at the time. Um, but... Anyway, they'll get credit for that, but again, that's another home win. So they they don't really all the neutral site games they played, all the road games they played, they haven't really done much. And um, Penn State is the best team they played twice, and they lost at Penn State. It went to overtime, whatever, but uh, they lost at Penn State and then won big at home. So that's another kind of disparity game where home versus road, and it's. It just goes back to that lack of um, opportunities because, I mean, you look at the schedule and Nebraska had more than enough chances to put themselves in, but they had zero margin for error. They had to get that done. And because they weren't able to against Michigan State, Purdue, uh, and Ohio State, they didn't get another crack at them. And that's unfortunate. So you, it comes down to, I mean, half of that is out of their control. Their conference schedule, they couldn't, they couldn't manage. But they still were in those games and had a chance to win those games, and they didn't do it. I think, I don't, I don't know that I would necessarily, necessarily say that they had plenty of chances. They played no. Michigan State early in December, and I don't, think, I don't think anybody would have expected them to win that game. No. Michigan State was really good, and they weren't dealing with the distractions that they're dealing with now. Um, the Purdue game... Maybe, but the I mean the way that you look at their schedule, Kansas and Creighton, they absolutely needed to win, and like you said, they had zero margin for error. They I mean they they didn't have a great Big Ten schedule, so at that point you have to rely on beating up on the Big Ten teams that you're supposed to beat up on, which for the most part they did, and then they lost to Illinois, and then you're relying on slaying. You're out of conference schedule, which they didn't. Yeah. They lost to St. John's, they lost to UCF, lost to Creighton, lost to Kansas, and those two, the last two games, Creighton and Kansas, were the two only games that I mean anyone would look at. Yeah. UCF's not going to be in the tournament. Yeah. St. John's isn't going to be in the tournament. Yeah. And it's unfortunate for Nebraska because of the way the team was constructed with the transfers and, and the newcomers. It was tough to get off to a good start because you were just working so many good pieces in. And you've seen Copeland and Palmer over the last 15 games or so. They've been so much better than they were in the non-conference as they've kind of figured out their place, built up some chemistry. So that, again, that even gives them less margin for error because pretty much when you're trying to work new pieces in, it's going to take you half the season. So they needed they need to get those Big Ten games. And like you said, Michigan State, um, that wasn't one that you could expect to win. So the Purdue game, which they gave them, I mean, 
They, they were in a position they, to win. Yes. Outside of the uh, quick start by Purdue, they buckled down. They got the stops they needed. Defensively, they played well enough, and the offense let them down. Kind of the same thing at Ohio State, where they ended up losing, I think, by five at Ohio State. And Ohio State is a, 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 it was a vulnerable team. Like That's a win they could have gotten. But again, they only scored like 59 points or something like that. So, and that goes back to this Michigan game uh, and kind of the story I wrote is this is where this team needs to go from here, and it's on offense. They have to get better on offense. They're just so inconsistent. They're so unreliable on that end. They needed to be locked. The first time they played Michigan, they were absolutely locked in on defense, making every right rotation, every right switch. They just weren't there in this one. And for, I mean, how many days they had off to get ready for this game, they just looked unprepared. And so the shooting, like you can say, a lot of teams struggled in their first game at Madison Square Garden from the field. So offensively, maybe that's part of that. Defensively, there's no excuse for that. I don't know what happened. Um, Michigan has changed things since the last time they played them. I don't know if they were expecting. But Nebraska knew they changed things, so I don't know what what happened there. But anyway, back to the offense. Yeah, I wrote um, going in, like, um, they're getting strong production out of the front court. They need the guards to step up. Like, Copeland had been really consistent over the last several games. Roby had been consistent. Even Jordy Schmanga was giving them some good minutes off the bench. So I figured you'll get those points from your front court. You need the guards to step up. You need guys to hit some shots and give you some production. Palmer was just okay. 16 points on 3 of 9 from the field, 9 of 11 from the free throw line. He was kind of more non-conference Palmer, where he got he ended up getting his points, but it didn't really matter. One of the things that I've seen uh, when people talk about who they lost to in Michigan, and I was worried that this was going to happen whenever uh, Nebraska mm-hmm. lost to Michigan, because Michigan looked like a team that could go on and, and win the whole tournament. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I've seen is that, oh, well, Nebraska lost to the tournament champions, so that's just a terrible loss, like snarky. Yeah. It's not a... No, it's not a bad loss, no. but it's also not like you don't get... No one's patting Nebraska on the back because they lost to the team that won the Big Ten tournament. Yes. They needed to be the team that won the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Like it, I, people just don't seem to understand. Like People don't hate Nebraska. They're not out to get Nebraska. They hate Nebraska's resume, which is fair. And you, they've got more good losses than they do good wins. At a certain point, you have to win those games or you don't get credit for it. Like, you're not going to get credit for coming a bucket short against Kansas if you come up a couple buckets short against Creighton, if you come up a couple buckets short against Ohio State. Like, if you consistently come up short against the best teams you play, then that's a trend and not a positive one. Like, you've yeah, got to be able you, to win those games. If you beat Creighton on the road, if you beat Ohio State on the road, if you're closer, if you beat one of Purdue or Michigan State, then you look at that one-point loss to Kansas and you're like... Well, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. But then when you look at all of the close games, they're all losses. And then the big game. Th- I mean, this is the thing that I keep going back to. We can talk about resume. We can talk about strength of record, strength of schedule, non-conference strength of schedule, RPI, whatever you want to talk about. We That's fine. Everybody that is hyping up the tournament chances wants to look at eye test. They looked awful. Yep. In front of the committee chair in the biggest game of their season, and you can debate whether it was the biggest. It was. It was the biggest game of their season, and they absolutely needed to win. We did a fan poll, and and a lot of people thought that they could get in without winning a single game in the tournament, which I thought was absurd. I thought they needed 
at least one, possibly two, to to feel safe. 100%. And they didn't get one. Yes. They needed to beat Michigan, and they looked off. Yeah, not only did they not win, they weren't in the game. The game was over um, five minutes in the second half or whatever. They they were down double digits basically the whole second half. What is it? Brandon, Brandon Vogel... Oh, he so called in, in the, the first in the half. First half. Yeah. yeah, during that oh, 11 like straight misses. 30 minutes into the game, he said, this game is over. I'm calling it. Like 38 minutes, I think, is what it was. He said, I'm calling it now. Greg Smith had to to step out. He's working on something for HaleVarsity.com on Nebraska's commit. So probably not going to hit on the combine unless you have some yeah, I can. You have some thoughts on what Nebraska did. I was busy watching the Black Panther this weekend and uh, getting that in my life, and it was Magical, but I was not paying attention to the combine. You did. How'd Nebraska do? Yeah, I was kind of following along with uh, just some of the results mostly. I didn't watch a lot of the combine coverage, but I did kind of check in at the end of each day to see how Nebraska's uh, guys worked out. And um, that <laughs> it, it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, Tanner Lee is doing Tanner Lee things. He <laughs> was one of the slowest guys, the quarterbacks at the combine with his 40. But he, he was, I think, the second slowest um, in terms of his 40-yard dash. Uh, yeah, he ran in 4.98 seconds. Well, he's not, a, he's not an athlete. No. Well, he had the second-best uh, vertical and leap and broad jump. So he can jump, he just can't run, which I, I don't know how much jumping high helps you as a quarterback. So should, but... should he, instead of trying to, like... Run? Should he like do little mini leaps? <laughs> yeah, just jump over guys. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. But uh, yeah, if, uh, the highest vertical leap that uh, was Wyoming's Josh Allen. And if you read uh, Brandon Vogel's hot reads for Monday, he uh, suggested that back uh, when was uh, Wyoming came to Lincoln, that rather than finishing the game, they should have just had a dunk contest between. Uh, Lee and uh, Allen I'd uh, to kind of determine the the result. So, but yeah, so Tanner Lee he, in uh, he uh, that should he, be the new overtime rule. <laughs> yeah, just. your best athlete against my best athlete, and we just go with like a dunk contest on the field goal posts. Like, do away with the stupid. Everybody gets it from the twenty yard line, and we see what you can do. Give me a dunk contest in the end zone. I'm here for that. Yeah. I, yes. Let's. Let's put that. Let's get a petition started. Let's send that into the uh, NCAA rules committee. I'll talk but, to Mark Emmer. Nice. You don't uh, have anything else to worry about right now. Yeah. So outside of that forty, um, Tanner Lee looked good, and I mean, he, he measured in really well. He threw the ball really well in drills, which again, no pass rush, so we knew that was going to happen. That's what he did at Nebraska. That's what he did at all those camps that kind of built up the hype for him. Ouch. And I, I'm sure he interviewed well because he does that as well. So it, it's going to come down to uh, if teams can convince themselves that they can work out the issues that you see in games. And there's enough, like, I guess it depends on how you look at it. If you kind of, like, focus on the positive, like, Tanner Lee has some really good stretches of play this last year, especially considering the help around him. There are enough positives in his film, and there are enough points in his film where you can look at it and you say he didn't have a ton of help on the offensive line and that you can you can and it puts, yes. put some of the interceptions on that. But there are a lot of points yes. in his film. I, there's one that sticks out in my mind, and it was the Oregon game where uh, – Stanley was running an out route, and Stanley turned off. He broke it off one way, and Tanner threw it the other way, and it ended up being an interception. And it's like, 
Come on, guys. Yeah. Be on but, the same page. Yeah. But uh, so I think it'll come down to if a team that feels confident in their quarterback development sees the tools and you're like, you know what? I can fix him. I can turn him into something. And that happens all the time in pro sports. Um, teams are confident in what they can do. And uh, they believe they can fix a lot of guys that, as long as they show promise that they can turn that into something. Um, so I, I think I think he'll probably end up being maybe a late round pick, uh, maybe a practice squad type quarterback his first year, and then from then it's on him um, what he can turn his career into. Um, Nick Gates did not have a good showing. Um, pretty much across the board, he was in the bottom half to bottom third um, in all the drills except for the three cone drill. Um, he was actually uh, uh, ninth best in the three cone drill with seven point six one seconds. Wow. Um, he which, benefited from Orlando Brown cratering. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what I mentioned on our uh, the varsity on the club, forum. our yeah. the forum threads. Like, yeah, Gates had a really bad day, but uh, Orlando Brown had a historically bad day, so he kind of a- attracted all the negative attention. But uh, I would just like to point out <laughs> that I could probably bench press more than Jordan <laughs> Thomas did. Jordan Thomas from Oklahoma got four reps on bench press, yes. and, and I've I've. Stood next to him in person. He's not a small guy. He's not smaller than me. There's no reason he should have four reps on bench press. Yeah. I don't know what is happening to the Oklahoma guys, but they clearly were doing a little bit too much partying in Pasadena yeah. or not preparing for this. But I could bench press more than four reps. Yeah. I'm four is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to the DBs. They're actually going today. So Nebraska's two DBs are not through their testing yet. But, yeah, anyway, Gates... Five, four, six, forty. Only three guys at a slower time. Bench press. He only rep twenty, which was bottom third. There are only eleven guys worse. Twenty three better. Um, the best uh, among the offensive linemen was thirty seven. So he was about half of what the leader did. Broad jump, vertical leap. Bottom five or bottom six in vertical leap. Second worst in broad jump. Um, so he uh, he did not have a good showing, and he's a guy that really could have benefited from a year of strength and conditioning under Zach Duvall and uh, a year of work under Greg Austin. So um, somebody maybe take him and say, hey, this kid's a project, but there's enough there. And they look back at his redshirt freshman tape and see some of the promise there. And it's like, hey, this kid was totally mismanaged. He wasn't developed the way he needed to be. So he'll, he'll have a shot there. Um, Drew Brown was there, but did like most kickers, I think there are only three guys, kickers or punters, that actually went through any of the drills. And he was not one of them, but weighed in 5'10", 208 pounds, 29-inch arms, and 8 and 3 8 inch uh, hands. So Do that's people about care about him. arm length for kickers? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know think. anything about kickers and what the... Uh, teams will like the fact that he's a willing tackler. I think um, if I was evaluating <laughs> a kicker, yeah, probably. I think if I was evaluating a kicker, though, I think the last thing I would care about is how long his arms are. <laughs> Greg Smith is back joining Hi. us. Welcome back. Hey, thanks. You stepped out to get something up on Ethan Piper committing to the Huskers. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, I had, I had uh, spoiler alert, I had already talked to him about this. He told me like last week uh, that he was committing. So I had his quotes and everything. I just had not put everything together pre ahead of time. Uh, so, of course, when that happens, dropping it goes the ball. ahead. Yeah. So, sorry, Brandon Vogel, um, when you hear this. Um, but it is ready to go. It should be up shortly. <laughs> um, so he didn't no. tell you when he was committing? 
he told me it would be today. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, that's, that's all so, that's all on so, you, Greg. Yeah. I was no, not trying to put you on blast. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, no, you're, you're good at calling me. people out on this yeah. podcast. Oh, at least that one was kind of an accident. But it's okay. yeah. Aaron, when you hear this, disregard that last three minutes. Yeah. I'll just cut this out. So. <laughs> anyway, so we ran through uh, Tanner Lee, Nick Gates, and Drew Brown so far. Any thoughts on any of those guys and their kind of shot and their chances? Uh, Tanner Lee was surprisingly athletic. <laughs> um, I don't think that you normally look at him and think that that's you know he's going to be able to jump that well. Um, I am. It's a weird fascination of mine. It's going to sound so strange with hand size in quarterbacks. <laughs> um, I do subscribe to the thought that that is a really big deal, and him measuring the ten inches, um, ten inch hands is a big deal for him. Um, because you just don't see very many guys. I forget what the actual cutoff is. Um, a friend of mine, Ben Albright, knows better than I do. He has a whole spreadsheet on it. Um, but he always, apparently, was always going to show well in a combine setting, though, right? Like, we all knew that that, yep. that would really help him. Um, curious to see what type of situation he can get into. I think he still ends up being, like, a priority undrafted free agent. Um, but I think that he could end up in a pretty good situation where maybe he can develop. But the thing is, is, like we saw with him here, mastering, cutting down, those turnovers is going to be um, the, the thing for Tanner Lee. Um, as far as some of the other guys, Nick Gates, and I came back in, you know, kind of the end of your discussion on Nick Gates. Um, I'm cold, very cold on Nick Gates as a pro prospect. Um, part of it is what he put on tape during his time at Nebraska, um, particularly against better competition. Um, part of it is also the, the want to factor. I don't know how high that is with Nick. Um, so I just think that he's going to have a, a hard time. I really think that guy with the best um, potential is still participating right now, um, and that's Joshua Kalou. I think that he has a real chance um, to be something, and something that we thought when he made that switch to safety was that that added versatility um, and getting to see a different position and being able to show the NFL that you can play different positions will really go a long way to help him. So long as he tests out well, interviews well, um, I think he has a real chance to stick in the league. Yeah. Two conclusions that we came to while you were out. Uh, one, Tanner Lee should stop trying to run, and he should just jump over people. <laughs> Probably. I agree. Uh, and two, instead of traditional overtime rules now, we should just have, if you go to overtime, your best athlete against my best athlete in a dunk contest on the field goal posts. I could get with that. <laughs> Sponsor that thing? Yes. That could be a thing. i got to look at you. You can make some money for Roger Goodell. Yeah. <laughs> the source of this idea was Brandon Vogel's hot reads. And, uh, okay, so comparing... Brandon made money for well, Roger Goodell. Yes. Uh, Josh uh, Allen and Tanner Lee. I'm going to I'm gonna trademark that idea right okay. now. Good verbal, job. verbal trademark. It's binding in the, in the state of Nebraska. Okay, I'll go with you. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But you sounded convincing. We're going to go for it. Yeah, that's, that's 90% of the pitch. As long as you sound convincing and you, you make them think that you know what you're talking about, you're good. I haven't prepared you guys for this, oh, no. but I'm going to give you three takes, and I want you to uh, invest in them. Or not. Or tell me that they're terrible. Buy or okay. sell? Yeah. Okay. A little, little version of buy or sell, yeah. So the first one, Nebraska has one player that goes in the top four rounds of the draft. I will sell on that. No, you don't think so? You think? Do you think anybody gets drafted at all? Yes. Yes, yes. I do think that someone gets drafted, but I don't think it's in the first four rounds. You think he's a five or, 
or six. Yes, but I'm struggling to figure out which guy it is <laughs> is the problem because See, and I, I've been surprised before on some on how some of this goes with Nebraska guys. It always it seems like here recently guys go earlier than we expected. <laughs> Um, so we'll see, and that's what's giving me a little pause. But I'm, I'm going to stick to sell. I think no first four rounds. See, that, see you you picked this probably the perfect spot to make this really difficult. If you had said top three, I would have felt a, a lot better about selling. Top four, I think four to seven is probably the range that you're going to be looking at for all of these guys. So Kalu, Jones, I think so has a chance. I think Gates will have a chance. Somebody will look at him again based on the strength of the O line class. Lee might be like a seventh round type pick. So I think basically all the guys that went to the combine uh, will have a chance to go in that four to seven range. But if I had to take top four versus the field, I'd, I'd have to go with five, six, seven or undrafted free agent for all these guys. But I, I definitely think somebody could sneak in that top four just based on what Greg said. Like, yeah. you don't know how team, individual team, there's 32 teams, whatever. You only need one of them to like you. And one of them to convince themselves that, hey, Nebraska is just a terrible situation and we can fix this guy. And I mean, because. Which is the truth. I mean, <laughs> kind of how that happens a bunch. Look just, at the recent off- yeah. the recent linemen, just the linemen, yeah. offensive and defensive linemen that have gone higher than people expected. You're like, Alex Lewis. Yeah. This second one, you guys might not be uh, very confident on, but just give me like a gut reaction. Nebraska women is an 11 seed in the tournament. So they're one of the last four in. Yes. I'll go ahead and buy it. <laughs> Greg's like, yes, get me out of here. <laughs> I, I th- they, they've got a, a much stronger case than the Mendy. They've got a, just like five more good wins, I think, just based on how you look at it. Like they got five, six, seven. They're kind of in that range of uh, a, a top top tier wins, uh, most of them in the Big Ten, but they've also got some bad losses. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the women's committee um, kind of values uh, their resume because it's kind of, it's pretty heavy on both ends. So, By the way, all of these things, all of these takes that I'm giving you, they're all takes that I believe in. So I think that Nebraska has a guy drafted in the fourth round, and I think the women make it into the tournament. This last one, I'm going to give you some numbers first, and they come from your buddy Matt DeMarinas. 2015-16 Creighton, because we haven't brought this up, versus 2017-18 Nebraska. The resume, 2-8 versus Group 1, 2-1 versus Group 2, 3-10 versus RPI Top 75. Non-conference check the schedule, 246. Nebraska, 1-6 versus Group 1, 2-3 versus Group 2, 2-7 versus RPI Top 75. Lots of numbers. Non-conference check the schedule, 264. Creighton was an NIT 4 seed. So my take is Nebraska is an NIT three seed. I I haven't studied uh, the other the bubble teams that are gonna miss out as closely and and seen what um, their resumes look like. The the difference there is uh, Nebraska twenty two and ten. That Creighton team was eighteen and fourteen heading into the uh, the NIT. So I mean I mean it's window dressing. But you're buying that they're not better. making the tournament. Yes, I I, I am. Uh, I think they'll have a chance to be a top a top three seed at least. I don't think they're going to be a four seed. I think they'll be one of the the, the early. I, I think they're still in a few next four out. Um, uh, so that I guess that would be uh, two three seeds somewhere in that range. 
I will, I will buy them being a top three seed in IT. It's funny, though, because as listening to Jacob describe that, though, and seeing what I've seen online, if they're a three seed, uh, people are going to be mad. <laughs> people like, are going to be mad be, no matter like what. Like, they are, but it's going to go from this. It's, gonna be, it's so weird because it'll go from them not making it and people being really mad and saying, oh, they won 22 games. Was it 13 and 5 in the conference? To, wait a second, they won 22 games, 13 in the conference, and they're not a one seed in the lowly NIT. Like, that's kind <laughs> Coming. Be ready for that. Well, there, there are people oh, already. <laughs> there are people that are already saying, uh, uh, "Decline the NIT bid. I'm not going to watch." Like people oh, stop that are that. no. That, uh, well, I, no, I'm not. I know. Not you. I know I people know. are saying it. I'm just stop. stop well, them. Like, the NIT is the not invited tournament, so <laughs> I don't want to be going to any not invited tournament. <laughs> See, and NCAA exactly, or bust. That's exactly the mindset. I don't want to end up then getting to the team because I feel like. This is an opportunity for the team to actually go there and maybe win some games, maybe win the tournament, and then really build momentum. Like, it's still a program searching for momentum and real achievements. So if they go into it, and I'm not saying that they will, but if they went into it with any sort of mindset like that, which is what it seems like the fans may have, um, and then they end up, say, losing in the first round of that tournament, it kills everything that happened this season. Yes. It would be so so bad. And it'll be an interesting test of their mental strength uh, of how much buy-in there is of the players on the team. And like you said, this is a big opportunity, whether they make the NCAA or the NIT, it's a chance to keep playing. And if they can make a run in the NIT, then you're making yourself more attractive to potential grad transfers for next year. Like, hey, they were this close. If you go win the NIT, you make a Final Four in the NIT, like, look how close we were to making the big turn. You can be the missing piece because we're bringing all these guys back. And that's that's kind of the next step for Tim Miles is he's going to have to convince all these guys, hey, come back one more year. Um, that's something that has not happened. Every year there's been um, kind of important uh, defections seemingly uh, under Miles. So this team feels like it might be a little bit more, a little bit safer from yes. that. They feel like a, a tight knit group and a group that wants to stay together and play together. Yeah. So you bring <sighs> Copeland back, you bring Palmer back, you bring Watson back, and hopefully you can fix him. Because I, I don't know how to describe them other than the broken right now. If they um, lose game one of the NIT, our mentions are going to be a literal yeah, dumpster yeah, fire. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's basically, even if they had made the tournament, they were going to get blasted as the least deserving team to make it there. So the committee would have been torn apart for putting them in, and then Nebraska fans would have attacked all that and would have just complained about the attention they were getting there. So there's no possible scenario here where Nebraska fans end up happy. Do you think they would have gotten... They could. Hold on. If they they win the NIT, then Nebraska fans will be happy to pump their chest and say, hey, listen, look, (laughs) we won the NIT, so we should have been in the tournament, at least in the the play-in game. Um, Because there is a giant conspiracy theory to keep Nebraska out of the NCAA tournament. Exactly. And if they were to just put, like, a different... Like, if they put Syracuse across their chest, they'd be, like, a four seed right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Feels like a good note. Yeah. Feels yeah. like a good point to wrap it up. I'll just leave that there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think we'll have a podcast again on Friday as long as you guys are cool with coming back. Maybe we'll get somebody else. We'll have work throughout the rest of the week on hailvarsity.com. Greg's going to have some recruiting stuff up because recruiting never sleeps. Jacob just pointed at me. Are you going to have something? Uh, I'll be at the state tournament uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, pretty much all day long covering high school basketball. So I'll have some stuff up on uh, Hell Varsity on that. So look out for that. We've got a lot of uh, future Huskers, basketball, football, baseball that are going to be involved. 
Um, so we're going to have some notebooks up from that, kind of tracking all those guys. And so uh, if you're a fan of local high school basketball, stay tuned to Hill Varsity because we'll all be covered. I also want to go cover softball. I think that's my next project or my next thing that I want to go, go do. I want to go cover softball. Do so it. I need to figure out when you play at home next. Uh, we'll have plenty of, of coverage on hillvarsity.com, so keep it there. That's going to do it. Thanks, guys.